Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be taking a look at a graphic novel, I know it's been a while, from the pile of graphic novels that I have been avoiding because, I don't know, just haven't felt like it recently. Uh, but I recently purchased this one in a fit of post-Christmas largesse and it is the Dark Horse Book of Witchcraft, which you know because, you know, hopefully you read the title of the episode before you clicked on it. Now this is an anthology, it's lots of different stories from lots of different writers and illustrators so it has um, a lot in it that is very different to each other and I was hoping, you know, it's the Book of Witchcraft, I've got to like at least some of this. Unfortunately, I didn't a huge amount and I'm, I'm going to go through it story by story so beware spoilers. First up, just to give credit to where credit is due, I really liked the cover illustration, it's sort of an old um, hag type woman holding a big stick and behind her is uh, a goat headed um, sort of Satan image and uh, it has a sort of very sensationalist sort of splashy pulp title across the front um, which I felt was you know quite appropriate for the actual contents and then inside the first front cover we have like uh, medieval um, woodcuts as the end pages and sort of medieval type illustrations of women putting things into a cauldron and it's very sort of creepy and Macbeth like and the first story is in fact Macbeth. So this is Macbeth, adaptation and art by Tony Millionaire and colours by James Campbell. Um, and the Macbeth story is basically just the opening witch scene in Macbeth um, where they're just adding things into the cauldron. All of the dialogue seems to have been taken from that and it's just been uh, illustrated with very stereotypical looking witches. And ends obviously with something wicked this way comes which is a kind of a nice way to start off the the whole compilation just before that we have an introduction and also uh, an in memory page which is dedicated to all the women who died in salem due to the witch trials and obviously men in there as well um and then the introduction is just about witches and just witches in popular culture and how that affected uh, the person who's writing the introduction, who is Scott Alley. I think we've looked at something by Scott Alley before. I think it was Black Magic, the comic book. I was wrong. It was The Devil's Footprints, which we have looked at. I know I know his name from somewhere. Uh, so there's an introduction about that. Then you get the Macbeth story. And then there is a story with Hellboy in it. Hellboy is a Dark Horse character. There have been movies of him, so I know who that is. I'm not like a huge fan of like traditional comic books, but um, there we go. Uh, I actually really liked this story. I think it was probably my favourite one in the anthology. It's basically just Hellboy talking to a witch, the troll witch of the title, and her telling kind of her life story as a fable, uh, which is really cool. You don't actually need to know anything about Hellboy to enjoy this, for which I was grateful. Uh, but she basically talks about how there was a woman who wanted a baby, and she was given a magic flower, which was very pretty, and also an ugly flower and told only eat of the beautiful one. But after she'd eaten the beautiful one and had a beautiful daughter, she wanted more children. So she ate the ugly one and gave birth to the troll witch, who was ugly. And then we get some more history of the family, how the two sisters met their respective fates, etc. Uh, the end of that one is kind of a little bit of a damp squib because I feel like it relies somewhat on knowing a little bit about Hellboy's character. The majority of the story isn't based on him at all, but the end is kind of a question or a challenge posed to him by the witch. So I guess it helps if you are a little bit familiar with the kind of character that he is. The second story is Mother of Toads by Clark Ashton Smith, illustrations by Gary Gianni. And 
it's not really what I would call like a graphic novel story. It's more like a, a child's illustrated storybook because you have like large pages of text and then occasional illustrations that take up like half a page. But it's not like a traditional like graphic novel format in the sense that you would think about it with like obviously the boxed images and then speech bubbles or speech overlay. Um, this is quite a, a weird and odd story about a, a guy who goes to visit the toad woman who lives in a swamp and he goes there to like do a deal because he's working for the apothecary and they're like trading ingredients and then she gives him some drugged wine and you can probably see where that story is going so I'm just gonna I'll warn there for sexual assault and rape um and basically then he is pursued and ultimately um dealt with uh by this weird toad witch creature when he attempts to run um it's quite a spooky scary story but i wasn't in love with the fact that one it wasn't really what i thought of as being a graphic novel format and two it didn't seem to have a point other than this witch is evil and ugly and now she's got you and now she's gonna kill you it, it didn't really um do a lot for me the pictures actually were really good especially the last image of the like toad witch because it is creepy and terrifying so i liked that the uh, third story is then called the flower girl the story for that one is by scott alley the art is by paul lee and brian horton and the colors are by dave stewart uh this is just a very short story uh, about um a sort of late teenage girl who's looking after her little sister who's being kind of a brat and when the sister runs out of the house she pursues her past an old abandoned looking house in the neighborhood and in looking through the window sees an old naked hag being set upon i guess in maybe a sexual sense don't know by a bunch of imps and in being seen by the witch i'm assuming it's a witch at the window uh, she kind of loses all the color in one eye uh, and then later on finds and confronts the old woman when she sees her about town the old woman offers her a chance to shift the burden of this i guess sight that she's been given the the beacon that is calling out to these imps uh, to put that punishment onto her little sister by giving her a flower and then she will have power and be a witch similar to the old lady and then at the end the older sister decides not to give her the flower so basically the story is kind of pointless because nothing really occurs um, I felt like that one had legs and could have really gone somewhere uh, if she'd made a choice and then regretted it but as it stands she doesn't do a huge amount the next story is called The Gris Gris, story and art by Jim and Ruth Keegan. Uh, this takes place in Louisiana in 1838. Wasn't wild about the art style of this one, kind of reminded me of those like girls annual cartoons from like Bunty. You know, very thick black lines, everything is sort of solid colour. Uh, sort of an attempt made at realism. So basically it's this guy who ends up in a duel and he goes to see a woman in the swamp who is a voodoo practitioner to try and get her to give him something that will enable him to just strike the guy who's dueling against dead because that guy's an accomplished duelist and this guy is just kind of a cad and a coward. Uh, he basically mocks this woman uh, and then accepts from her a charm which is a bat tied up with a red string and she says that it will keep him safe and that uh, it can be good or it can be bad depending on what she wants it to do so there's a warning he definitely will not heed uh, obviously the duel then happens and his arrogance shall we say is his downfall 
again, that one, quite an interesting story. Liked the ending. That was pretty good. The following story is The Golden Calf Blues, story by Mark Ricketts, art by Sean Phillips. And it's basically about a kid who gets a secondhand guitar that was owned by some guy who was a bad seed in the community. And using the guitar, he charms people out of sh church using the devil's music. Um, and that story, again, has some interesting legs. Uh, it doesn't really go anywhere on them. Uh, it just sort of stops when that happens. Uh, the art style also is kind of solidly orange. Orange is literally like the main colour used. I can kind of see why, but at the same time, it didn't really do it a lot of favours in my mind and didn't make it very memorable. Then we have a little short break for an interview uh, called The Truth About Witchcraft, an interview with Wiccan High Priestess Phyllis Currut uh, by Scott's Alley, which is quite interesting. Phyllis Currut, you might remember, um, read, uh, wrote one of the books that I looked at, I think called Book of Shadows, One Woman's Journey into the Occult or something like that. There is an episode on it. Um, I wasn't really wild about a lot of the stuff she says in the interview. It is quite an in-depth interview and I give the book credit for including something about the truth about witchcraft. I really wish that some of the themes of like actual wicca, actual witchcraft and paganism have been carried into the stories because so far we've only really had stories about witches being horrible old hags. And the introduction kind of says that they were going to start off there and then move towards a different idea of witchcraft. I don't really see that happening. It's basically just a load of stories about old hags and then just witches are still portrayed as being, you know, evil and weird. Basically, I found this interview to be kind of a lot of waffle. There wasn't a huge amount in there that made me think, oh, this is definitely a good portrayal of, of what current witchcraft is. They were just very long answers, a lot of which harkened back to history and weren't incredibly relevant to talking about like modern witchcraft. Um, so I skimmed quite a lot of the latter half of that interview and wasn't that impressed with it. But again, I can appreciate the representation of that interview. I just didn't particularly care for the viewpoints expressed within it on myself. Uh, following that, there are just two more stories uh, in the book. Salem and Mary Sibley, Story and Art by Scott Morse. This is probably, I think, my least favourite, which is unfortunate because I was already kind of a little bit bored by the interview. Um, it seems to be that there's a ghost of Mary Sibley following people around in Salem and inciting them to um, acts which are going to reflect poorly on them in the coming witch trials. For example, suggesting to Tichuba to bake a witch cake to um, determine if girls are spelled. This is then used as evidence against her in a witchcraft trial. And uh, yeah, just a lot of Mary Sibley drifting around being odd. And then at the end, it says in 1692, in and around Salem, Massachusetts, upwards of 25 people, all reputedly practitioners of the dark arts, were killed in a hysterical Puritan inquisition. Most historians claim that a woman named Mary Sibley told the slave Tituba to bake a witch cake, the first proof that witchcraft was afoot. However, genealogy records show that Mary Sibley died December 28, 1683, nine years before the Salem witch accusations. Uh, you might remember way back when, in like the third episode of the podcast, I did a little review of Salem, the TV series, the main character of which is Mary Sibley, and talked a little bit about this witch cake incident. And I think uh, there was actually no one in Salem of that name. Um, so I don't know where they've gotten this she was dead thing from. Um, I can't really remember. 
But either way, it seems like the whole idea of her being a ghost is what inspired this story. I just didn't find the story particularly interesting. And as a general rule, if you have to put at the end, this is what this story meant and what it was about, it hasn't really come across that well. And then lastly, we have Unfamiliar, story by Evan Dawkin, art by Jill Thompson. This is a story about cats and dogs. Uh, it's sort of um, a Disney movie type situation all the cats and dogs talking to each other and they're talking about black cats who have arrived in the neighborhood they identify a group of people uh, meeting in a house nearby as witches and the black cats are their familiars and find out that they're going to do some sort of evil ritual which is going to be very very bad and so they decide to ruin this ritual by painting an orange cat black kidnapping one of the familiars and sending the fake black cat to the ritual to disrupt it so it is unsuccessful. However, the ritual is apparently successful in that it manages to summon the entity they were trying to summon, which is Sekhmet, the Egyptian god. And then Sekhmet appears and takes all of the witches away into some sort of horrible dimension in a red swirling portal, which doesn't appear to go anywhere good. And then the uh, cats and dogs kind of rejoice that at the end they were successful. Um, you can kind of see where I'm going with the idea that this book says in the introduction, I'm just going to read you the quote that I keep referring to. It's from the end of Scott Alley's introduction. It says, as with hauntings, which refers to the Dark Horse book of hauntings, which is a similar idea to this book. I suggest reading this book front to back rather than picking out your favourite talent first or last if you're one of those if you're one of them discipline types. Shakespeare and Tony Millionaire conjure up an image that proceeds to change through the course of the book, favouring the villainous or at least horrible old crone. The interview, as well as Scott Morse's story, provides the reader with a doorway into the world of the modern witch, breaking the shackles in which the ancestor of mine helped to bind innocent women. Scott Morse's story, incidentally, is the Salem and Mary Sibley story, which I didn't particularly care for. Um, so I don't really see how we're moving from a crony old horrible witch towards something that is more indicative of modern witchcraft because although the last story takes place in what appears to be modern day with a group of normal looking women meeting at a normal looking woman's house to practice i guess witchcraft um they are still definitely the bad guys they're summoning up this entity with these weird black cats which the other animals don't like because they're unnatural and in the end they obviously get carried off um, because of this um, ritual they've conducted in their own hubris. So it doesn't really paint much of a positive image of modern witchcraft or really get to the modern witchcraft thing at all because the main characters um, in that story are the animals. You don't really see the witches that much. They're only in a, you know, a couple of pains. So I wasn't overly impressed with that as kind of the arc of the, the whole book. Um, individually some of the stories were quite entertaining I did like the troll witch story I really wish that the flower girl story had been expanded upon more because it seemed um, to be the most kind of emotionally interesting um, to see I mean what that girl would have gone through if she had made a different choice or even to see a little bit more fallout from that choice which I get because they're all one-offs so you can't really do that and have like a longer version of them but it did very much feel like witches started off as the bad guys in this, then continued to be the bad guys until the very end. Uh, whereas I've read other books, like um, the one that's just called Witchcraft, which I have also reviewed, which put a more positive spin on it, as does uh, Black Magic, 
um, which is another one from Image, which I've really liked. So it was kind of disappointing and uh, I wouldn't necessarily not recommend it, but I probably won't be keeping it to reread is my final word on the matter. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Do let me know if there are any other graphic novels with Witches In that you can recommend. I recently went on a, a small buying spree and acquired some, so uh, I'll be getting to those shortly. And uh, in the meantime, I would love to hear some of your recommendations. So don't be shy. Tweet me. It'll be fine. All the information for that is in the description box, where you can also find the Amazon wish list in case you want to check up on that and find if maybe the book you're recommending is already on there. And also the Goodreads uh, list, the Listopia list for the podcast, where you can go and vote on what you want me to read next uh, so that we get those in-demand books uh, out sooner than the ones that maybe you don't really care about that much. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next one. Bye!